Well, welcome to Chanel. We are so glad that you're with us. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad to have you as well. This morning, we're starting a new series called Come to the Table. And as we begin, I want you to start thinking about moments that you've had around a table. It's going to be whatever moment you want. Like in my mind, when I think about joining somebody at a table, I think about the first date that I had with Whitney. Some have argued it was the best decision she's ever made. But Whitney and I, our first date that we ever went on, it it should have killed. But anyway, I'll let you guys slot on that one. More jokes to come. But the first date that we ever went on, we went to an Italian restaurant called Biagi's. I had a delicious chicken piccata, an excellent usage of uh, capers, not too many, but enough to, you know, accompany the dish. Excellent meal on my part, but we had a great time. It was our first date. We, we sat by this table, we, we talked, and we learned about each other, and that's really where our relationship began. Or maybe when you think about joining people at a table, you're thinking about those Sunday afternoon lunches. You walk into your grandma's kitchen, you can smell, in my, my background, you can smell the fried chicken, you can smell the oil going, like you know how we ate. But like maybe that's what you're thinking about when you're joining somebody around a table, those meals, those moments that you wouldn't miss for anything. Or maybe you think of kind of darker moments, maybe when your family sat you down and told you that your family was changing, or that your family was moving to a new city and that you were going to have to leave your school or leave your friends or your community, the places that you were familiar with. Maybe those are the moments when you think about joining people around a table, those experiences. But when God calls people to a table, when Jesus invites people to a table, serious conversations happen. Life-changing conversations happen. Every one of those moments that I described a minute ago, a life-changing moment happened for somebody. And that's what Jesus is doing in these five stories that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about the people who are distracted, the people who feel uninvited, the people who are, we consider our enemies, the insiders and the outsiders. What happens in those moments when Jesus invites them to the table? Now, some parts of this series will be about how we recognize to make space for people who don't feel included in this church, in this community. But at other times, it may be us sitting at the table with Jesus learning about what we need to adjust and reflect on in our lives. So this morning, I want to start with the distracted. And again, that may be someone else. I'm sure that no one in this room right now is distracted. Not at all. No one else has anything else that they're thinking about, worried about. But to kind of illustrate a little bit of distractions, I found a few pictures on the internet. Let's go to the first one here. Uh, If you can't read it, I'll read it for you. But it says, yo... Some dude just texted me that it's driving, Driver Distracted Awareness Month, whatever. Now, a little play on texting and driving. Obviously, no one should do that, but you kind of get the idea that this might be an example of a distracted driver. We don't want that. Let's go to the next one. This is a little more fun. Uh, if you can tell, it says he's texting again, and the one bird is going in the opposite direction of everybody else. But if cartoon memes are not your thing to understand distractions, I thought that we could find one from a a recent kind of public historical event with the Queen's death. Uh, If if you didn't know that, it's been all over the news. I don't know how to describe it else other than that. If you just haven't watched the news at all in the last month. Uh, But the Queen of England died recently, and there was a story from her, one of her services that one of her bodyguards told that thought illustrates distracted, maybe missing the moment or missing something that's right in front of you. And let's play that clip if you got it, Rob. When we were at Balmoral, and the Queen used to go up there in May to Crigowan House and just stay there privately for a weekend. 
and she would go out at lunchtime for picnics and very often it would just be the police officer and her majesty and one of the picnics I went out with her we had a lovely picnic and a lovely chat and then we went for a little walk just the two of us and normally on these picnic sites you, you meet nobody but there was two hikers coming towards us and the Queen would always stop and say hello and it was two Americans on a walking holiday and it was clear from the moment that we first stopped they hadn't recognized the Queen which is fine and the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he came from, where they were going to next, and where they'd been to in Britain. And I could see it coming, and sure enough, he said to Her Majesty, and where do you live? <laughs> and she said, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home just the other side of the hills. <laughs> and he said, well, how often have you been coming up here? Oh, she said, I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. And you could see the clogs thick, and he said, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the Queen. I and as it. quick as a flash, says, well, I haven't, but Dickie meets her regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy said to me, well, you've met the Queen, what's she like? And because I was with her a long time and I knew I could pull a leg, I said, oh, she can be very cantankerous at times, <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. Anyway, the next thing I knew, this guy comes around, puts his arm around my shoulder, and before I could see what was happening, he gets his camera, gives it to the Queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? <laughs> Anyway, we swapped places, and I took a picture of them with the Queen, and we never let on, and we waved goodbye, and then Her Majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows us photographs to the friends in America, and hopefully someone tells him who I am. Oh, that's brilliant. So I love that story for a few different reasons, but have you ever had those moments where you miss what's right in front of you? And maybe it's because you're distracted. You've got other things on your plate. Maybe life is just consuming all of your attention and your energy and right in front of you is the Queen of England and you have no idea. And then you accidentally take a picture with her bodyguard instead. But you know stories like that, right? Like where there's so much going on, there's other stuff going on in your life that, that you miss the moment that's right in front of you. And if that's you, then you're being invited to a conversation about being distracted. Jesus has a conversation with, uh, May, or with Martha in Luke chapter 10. And I want to set up the framework for this. It begins in Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, there's a, a good chance that you're familiar with this story. Mary and Martha are going to invite Jesus to their home. But when we look at this story independently and forget what else is happening in the story, we miss the layers that Luke's building. Because Luke's trying to tell us something in this story that is often overlooked because we separate it. But Luke begins chapter 10 by talking about the commissioning of the 72. In verse 1, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will find rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they, they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Now I'm connecting these two stories because they work together. This whole section is really about hospitality, about how you receive people, and how we are to have courage to go places that maybe we're unfamiliar with. And so Jesus is preparing these 72 to go out into the mission field and to spread the gospel 
but he wants them to know, hey, you may not have the easiest road. Hopefully you were accepted. Hopefully you were welcomed in these communities, but there may be moments and situations where you're not. Now this starts to make sense when you layer it in with the next story that Luke immediately gives us. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. We talked about this a few weeks ago, so we're not going to go really too deep into revisiting the Good Samaritan story, but you see in verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And when you start looking at these stories together, the 72, all about hospitality, Good Samaritan, all about hospitality. It's about how we welcome people. It's about how we let them into our homes, how we take care of them. And also about kind of the courage to go do the hard work. That's what the 72 is. It's getting out there and doing what God has called you to do. Same way with the Good Samaritan. It's getting out there doing what God has called us to do. But then this story changes in verse 38 when Jesus travels to Bethany. So as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now again, we're, we're immediately introduced to this concept of hospitality again where it's about opening your home to people who are traveling. Jesus, like the 72, has been traveling. He's been on the road. He's in Bethany now. They've been journeying. They're tired. Their feet are dirty. They're ready to rest. They're ready to eat. And Martha does what we're commanded to do in Luke chapter 10. She kind of follows the script, right? So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And we'll stop right there and let's all play the emotional game because we've all been in those moments, right? Where we're the only one doing the thing that we think that we're supposed to be doing, right? You've been in those situations. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with your coworkers, your peers, but we've all done that. I do that every single day with Whitney where I know that there's things that I should be doing and I'm like, Whitney's got this covered. I know that I'm supposed to be doing this. We all do this in some form or fashion, right? We think it's not my responsibility right now. Somebody else will take care of it. And that's exactly what's happening in this dynamic between Mary and Martha. Martha's like, we've got to get the house ready. We've got to feed Jesus. We've got to make sure that they're taken care of. We've got to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that we are being hospitable. And in the framework of this story, like that makes sense, right? The way that Luke builds this story upon hospitality, we can understand where Martha is coming from. We've just been told for 30 plus verses that to be hospitable, to welcome people into our homes, to embrace the travelers when they come into our lives. And here Martha is doing those things. But Mary's disrupting that because Mary's focus isn't on hospitality. Mary's focus is on the moment. Who is at her house? It's not about doing things, it's about being present. So she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, like exactly what a disciple would do. Like she's learning from the rabbi. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This sounds like my children fighting in our house. It does. When I read this passage this week, I kept thinking, this is Jude and Isla just going at each other. But it's two adults. It's Mary and Martha who are mad at each other. And they both kind of have their own cases, right? Martha's like, we have the Messiah here. 
We have to make sure that our house is prepared for the Messiah to be welcomed, to be treated right, to be embraced. And in the same vein, Mary's like, we have the Messiah here. (laughs) Do you see it? They're both making similar arguments in different ways. Martha's trying to prepare for what's next, and Mary is saying, I'm ready for what's happening right now. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be taken away from her. I love Jesus' response, because if we're sitting at a table together, and maybe right now, like, you're consumed with what's next— what you've got to do this week, the things that maybe you have to do this afternoon. Maybe Jesus is inviting you to a table and saying the same things that he's saying to Martha. Hey, Bryce, maybe you need to slow down a little bit and look at what's happening right in front of you. Not what's going to happen this week, next week, next month, whatever. Maybe you need to be focused on right now. A few weeks ago, we had come home from church. We went to lunch. Kids acted bad. We were both tired. And Whitney was like, one of the kids have to take a nap. It's always Isla. It's always going to be Isla that has to take a nap. Otherwise, it's a disaster. But Whitney decides we're, Isla's going to take a nap. And so then I was going to, we're co-parenting. So I'm going to take care of Judah, right? Which meant Judah's going to play the Nintendo Switch for a little bit. And so in this moment, like Whitney's got Isla. She's give, like helping Isla take a nap. And I'm in our front living room. And Judah's playing the Nintendo Switch. And in this, this, this moment, I thought, okay, I have at least an hour that I can get my next class done for next week. Like, I thought I had this, this short period of time before the rest of my day happens that I can get next week's Sunday morning Bible class done. I know you're thinking, impressive, Bryce. Thank you. He's a hard worker. But, but I thought, like, okay, I can do that. For 30 minutes, Judah was like, hey, play the Nintendo Switch with me. I need, he was like, I need you to be, we gotta beat this battle or something like that. Like he had some objective, but he kept coming to me and he kept saying, dad, I want you to play this game with me. And my reaction was, Judah, let me get done with this class, buddy, and then I'll play with you. Because that was Sunday afternoon. And I'm as much sitting at this table as I hope some of you are as well about needing to learn about being distracted. Because I was so worried about what was going to happen next Sunday that I missed the moment to beat the Koopa Troopers with Super Mario Brothers. I know that's silly, and I know that sounds like it's just a video game, but I missed a moment of, like, connection with my kid. That's a, that's a sad moment for me, and I've thought about it for the last two weeks. Now, he's understood that now, and he's taking advantage of it, and so that's something that we've got to work on on the home front. But he's like, hey, you remember when you're doing that class? But, but we've all been in those moments, right, where we're so focused on what's next that we ignore the moment that's right in front of us. And that's what's happening with Mary and Martha. Is Martha is so worried about being prepared for what's next that she's missed the Messiah. She's missed that Jesus is in her home wanting to fellowship, wanting to spend time, wanting to connect with her. And Mary gets it right. In the story, Mary understands the significance of the moment. And I've thought a lot about why we do those things. Why are we so focused on what's next? And I think a lot of it has to do with insecurity. But we're worried that we're not going to be prepared. We're worried that someone else is going to get an advantage on us. And when we do those things, we forget that God has given us a moment every single day to live in and embrace. Bob Goff, in his book Undistracted, wrote, The cure for insecurity is being completely present in the expression of your purpose. Thought a lot about that moment with my son. I was not present. 
I was already moving on to next week, next Sunday. I wasn't even thinking about what I could be doing with my kid in that moment. And a lot of us do that, right? Like we, we prepare for what's next before the thing has even happened. I've got a picture of a couple of cars here. I guarantee you right now that these four cars that are facing outward are men. Men are driving these cars, right? Let's all just be honest. These are men that have backed into these parking spots. And the reason why, Dr. Westbrook's with me, the reason why I think they, men do this a lot is because you're already thinking of your exit strategy, right? You're already thinking of, how am I getting out of this parking lot? When do I need to leave? Let's, let's even put sports into it. When do I need to leave the Razorback game to beat traffic? When, how do I strategize that? When we do things like that, we're ignoring the moment that we're in because we're already thinking of our exit. We're not being present. We're being insecure and we're not trusting that God will provide a way out in those moments. Now Jesus talks about this concept again in Matthew chapter 6 about worrying, insecurity. A lot of it comes down to are we trusting that God will provide for us in the future in the same way that he provides for us in this moment today. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Thought about this, this, this imagery a lot, about the things that I worry about, the things that distract me and consume my attention. When I do that, when I follow those, those thoughts, I'm not trusting that God is going to take care of that. I'm not trusting that God will provide a way, will provide a future for me. I'm thinking, God, I'm going to take care of it on my own. And what I'm really saying is, God, I don't need your help. But the more that I grow up, the more that I try to raise kids, the more that I even just try to exist, I'm recognizing how much I have to depend on God. And I get lost in these distractions. And then I come back to passages like this where I'm reminded that the birds of the air don't worry. The birds of the air know that God will provide for them what they need. Are you not much more valuable than they? Think about that for just a second. Birds of the air do not worry about what they are provided for. They trust that their creator will give them something. Are we not more valuable than birds? I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but sometimes as adults we need to hear that. That God will provide for us. Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. This is some deep Old Testament kind of imagery that we're getting here from Jesus. And he's comparing Solomon, like the fanciest guy in the Old Testament, to flowers. It's like the flower. Look at how the flowers are. Look how beautiful they are. And in each of these moments, the, the, the images that Jesus is giving here, you're forced to stop and think about them. I mean, if you think about this in the context of a, a series about worrying, about being distracted, the images that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6 all cause us to pause and think. Hopefully right now when I read that passage, you just for a moment thought about flowers. Like the prettiest flower that you could think of right now. Think of how beautiful it is, how delicately it was designed. And Jesus says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And he ends this passage here. So do not worry about anything, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And you fill in the blank in your situation. Jesus, how how am I going to get this done? Or I need more hours in the day to do X, Y, Z. Or if I just ignore this commitment, then I can get this next thing done. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. For do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. This morning, what I wanted to do was talk about being distracted. Because a lot of us are in different ways. The distractions in my life are likely different than the distractions in your life. But maybe in this moment, in this season, Jesus is inviting you to come to the table, to sit down and to slow down. And to have you think about those moments in your life that you were missing because you're distracted. Because you're consumed with what's next. You're worried about what do you got to do the next week instead of saying, hey, maybe God has invited me to a table with this person for this moment. And so this week, when those moments present themselves, don't look past them. Don't start thinking, hey, when I get out of here, I've got to do this, this, and that. But be present. Look your, your friend or your, your coworker, whoever you're in that moment with, in the eye and let them know that you were present in that position, in that moment. So Jesus is maybe inviting you to the table to talk about the things that are consuming your attention and your, th- and your focus. Things that are driving you insane or frustrated. And what I believe that Jesus is calling you is to consider the now, not the next.